G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway Podcast, the podcast that's all about intermittent fasting. I'm your host, Graham Curry from Perth, Australia. I lost 60 kilograms or 132 pounds living an intermittent fasting lifestyle and successfully maintained that weight loss. I'm also the author of the Amazon category best-selling book, The Fasting Highway, which will give you a great insight into what it's actually like to live it day to day, how to get started, what it's about, what are some of the health benefits that come from it, and how to turn it into a successful long-term lifestyle. In this series of podcasts, you'll be hearing from people from all over the world, from the beginners to the experienced and those that are on the journey. You'll also be hearing from some leaders in the intermittent fasting community, and you'll also be hearing from some past guests as we recheck in to see how they've been going. And thank you for joining us here on the Fasting Highway. Enjoy the show. G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast. And this is episode 191, brought to you by our Patreon members community. Without the support of our patrons, we simply couldn't bring you these episodes each week. If you're looking for some extra accountability or you want to hook in with some other members, uh, you'll find that in our Patreon members community. Uh, In return for your support each month, you get two Zoom meetings, uh, one North, one Southern Hemisphere, where you can interact with other members. You get extra content, bonus podcasts, and so there's some great benefits in return for supporting our Patreon for the Fasting Highway podcast. You can find that link in the show notes there at www.patreon.com forward slash the Fasting Highway. Okay, folks, I just wanted to give a big shout out too to our new members this week in Charity, Melissa, Helen, Sherry, Rachel, Colleen, Mark, Craig, Mindy, and John. Thank you to our new members. I really appreciate your support. And thank you to all members of the Patreon community. Okay, let's get on with today's podcast. I'm going to be speaking with Karen Cahill. And Karen was last on the podcast back in episode 117, some time ago now. And Karen's intermittent fasting story is absolutely incredible. Her transformation, jaw-dropping, there's no other words to describe it. And Karen has lost some 60 kilos or over 132 pounds on her journey. And she has a really good handle on this lifestyle. And Karen this year had a tragic event happen in her life, as you'll hear in this podcast. And we can only throw our arms around Karen and her family as she relays this story. So here she is to tell it, the amazing Karen Cahill. Oh, g'day, Karen, and welcome back to the Fasting Highway. Great to be back, Graham. Uh, great as always to have, have the opportunity to chat to you and um, and share my love and journey with intermittent fasting. It sure is. And you were last on, of course, back in episode 117, back in April, some 15 months ago. So a lot's probably happened since then. What we might do is just get a quick recap of how you found your way to intermittent fasting for our you listeners. But I really suggest people go back and listen to that first episode because it was fantastic. I think at that stage, you'd lost about 100 pounds. So we might just hear how you got into intermittent fasting just for our you listeners that are coming in for the first time. And then we'll take it from there and what you've been up to since that last episode. Yep, sounds good. So my um, entry into the world of intermittent fasting was kind of two-pronged. Um, I had two things kind of happen very close together. Uh, the first was um, three kidney stones in reasonably quick succession. Um, and as I think I mentioned in that last podcast, 
if you've ever had a kidney stone, you know you never want to have three of them. Um, so that had kind of happened. Um, and the doctor had said to me, you know, you got to like drink more water and uh, drink less soda. And I'm like, hang on a second, I don't drink soda. And then, of course, you know, this was the year that COVID was happening. And um, I started thinking about it and I thought, yeah, I kind of do drink soda because I have a gin and tonic every night. And, uh, and during COVID, I was probably having two gin and tonics every night and maybe even a third. So um, I definitely feel like that was an issue. Um, and so I... Uh, and simultaneously, I had a conversation with my boss who was talking about how worried he was about his brother. Um, his brother didn't have good health and didn't really take very good care of himself and um, had been in and out of the hospital. And my boss was, you know, obviously very worried about him. And um, very sadly, he passed away from, um, you know, some issues that very probably could have been avoided. Um, and so those two things together sort of um, spurred me to really think about getting my weight under control, which is something that I'd sort of given up fighting um, for many years. Um, and so I decided, well, I'm going to stop drinking. So I stopped drinking and started um, a very strict calorie counting regime. So I did that for about three months and I have never been so miserable in my life. Um, there is nothing like, you know, restricting calories and having no alcohol that makes you more miserable. So, um, but I did manage to drop like 35 pounds and I think that actually gave me probably the, the push I needed to see, well, I can do this. Uh, just, I don't really want to do it this way. So I was very lucky that um, I stumbled upon a Facebook group um, run by Susan Metz, a Kiwi here in the US, and um, she was talking about intermittent fasting. And I thought, well, I don't eat breakfast. I've never eaten breakfast. Um, I can do this. And so I started. I started um, probably April-ish of 2021, um, and I'm a rip the Band-Aid off kind of girl, so I started pretty aggressively with, I think, probably a 20-hour fasting window and a four-hour eating window, and I did that for a while and saw instant success, um, which was fantastic and really kind of, you know, encouraged me to keep going. And then pretty soon I sort of, you know, slid into OMAD, which is, you know, my preference these days. It just sort of fits my life. And um, I like to eat every day. Uh, I have done a couple of, you know, alternate day fasting and that sort of thing. But I really do like to eat once a day. Uh, it just makes me feel good. It's kind of my routine. And um, so that's where I am. I've been fasting now for... I guess, uh, two and a half years. And um, it's a lifestyle that has really given me back my life, probably saved my life. Um, I'm healthier now than I have ever been. I'll be 16 next birthday, but I really am. Uh, I feel amazing. And uh, it's something that I will never 
not do. I will never not fast. Yeah, incredible. And for anybody that's in the Fasting Highway Facebook group, they know you, of course, and you know, I encourage anybody out there that wants to get into intermittent fasting and they want some support, come and join us there on the Fasting Highway. We have fantastic people like Karen in there, and each week we have these sort of before and after, the face-to-face Friday picks, and it just blows my mind every time I see yours. It's such a stunning transformation, I've got to say. But, you know, that last time we spoke, you'd lost 100 pounds there, and Sort of, can you remember what your high weight was, Karen? And you're about five foot six from memory from that last podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Roughly. as anybody who who is as overweight as I am knows, like you know, standing on the scale is not something you want to do. Yeah. I probably was pushing three hundred pounds about that. Um, so yeah, it's and so shedding one hundred and thirty five pounds means like I'm kind of a normal size, you know. Um, it, it, could I lose another 10 or 15 pounds? Sure. Like, but do I care if I never lose another pound in my life? No, I'm really happy where I am. Um, I'm one of those people who uh, is continuing to shrink. I always think of uh, Jen Stevens' story. She had a, a goal weight in mind and she uh, reached the goal weight and then she thought, well, I've arrived and she kept fasting in maintenance and then she shrunk two more sizes. And that's kind of the way it's going for me. So yeah, yeah, it's just I'm I'm the same actually. I've stayed around the same weight for four years, but I can really see those body recomposition changes, and particularly the way sort of you know when I lost that similar amount of weight to yourself, actually 132 pounds, and I'm a six foot five guy, so you're five foot six, and you've lost a similar amount of weight. So let's put that into perspective. So your transformation is simply jaw dropping, to be truthful. But you know, and I know how that feels, but yeah, I think, you know, when we do go through these big transformations, so many changes in our life come. And you mentioned those words about saving your life, giving your life back. And I mean, that's quite incredible in itself. And let's just talk about that in a minute. I mean, when you talk about the true sense of giving your life back, what were some of the things that you couldn't do or was frustrating you when you were so heavy and obese? Yeah, so that's kind of also a bit of a two-pronged thing, you know. Um, I think there are two things. There was my health, which I obviously had issues being so overweight. And then there was my lifestyle, right? So they were kind of almost two different. I look at them as two, as two different things. So I had high blood pressure. Um, I had non-alcoholic fatty liver. Um, I had a lot of joint pain. I had uh, a lot of residual joint pain from medications that I had for breast cancer some 20 years ago. Um, So uh, the kidney stones, of course, Um, you know, a lot of uh, pain from previous breast surgeries. I used to suffer pretty badly with some um, significant breast pain um, from scar tissue. And all of those things sort of when you when you're dealing with all of those things, you know, you just the last thing you want to do is get up and move and do anything. So it's sort of a a vicious cycle. Right. You don't feel good. So you don't want to do anything. So I think there was so there's been that change. So now I've reversed high blood pressure. I've reversed um, non-alcoholic fatty liver. I have. Uh, no longer got the joint pains. I don't have the swelling in my hands. I don't have the uh, the 
crippling breast pains that I have, um, all of those things are, you know, health wins or um, NSVs, as, as you call them, non-stale victories. Um, but just the transformation of actually losing the weight, it just makes life so much easier to navigate. You know, you've talked about the ease of, you know, going to the airport and getting to your gate and fitting on the plane and not needing a seatbelt extender and, you know, all of those things, how how much easier it is, um, how much easier it is to just do simple things like, you know, walk all day at an outdoor mall or, um, you know, work in the yard or really anything that re requires moving, right, moving around. And then things that you didn't ever used to want to do, like put on a bathing suit and get in the pool or go in the ocean or, um, you know, just. So I think transformation comes and shows itself in different forms. And I think for me, the, they're kind of two distinct forms. Yeah, they are. Absolutely. And there's so many things. And the thing I find even five years on, something catches me every day that I'll either do or just in my general life or the way people react to me or whatever it may be. And it just catches me or a Facebook memory will flash up, flash up and I'll just go, man, I remember that day. That was a day I was at Grand Canyon and they wouldn't let me on the helicopter because I was too heavy and that sort of stuff. And it really catches you when you see that stuff come back and hit you in the face like a freight train. And so you sort of get into a bit of a groove and after you lose a lot of weight, and you're going through this transformation and you're in maintenance for a while. And then these things come up and they just remind you. And I remember the other day I went to the horse feed place and I picked up this 50 pound sack of horse feed and I'll put it on my shoulder. And I was thinking, man, how heavy is this? And then I thought, you know what? I've lost two and a half of these like you have. And I thought, Dear, how did I carry that around? Like, how did I actually move through the day and carry this weight? And the difference when you get the weight off your body and just all the things that you can do, you can go to an amusement park. You can just be joyful in the fact that you can ride on any ride that you want to go on and not be told that you're too heavy or too big to fit into the roller coaster or whatever it may be. And I've had people on this podcast that have said to me, you know, the catalyst moment was at an amusement park where a guy said he went to go on the roller coaster with his son. And the attendant said, I'm sorry, sir, you, you cannot fit into this carriage and it's health and safety. We cannot allow that. Or a person said they went to go on the slide at the water park and they wouldn't let them go down it. So those freeing things, when you're able to do that, like you talked about going onto the aircraft, I've talked about that a lot. And that is freeing, just traveling and enjoying yourself. And it never comes into your mind. I'm not going to fit in. The person next to me is going to freak out. You know, I'm worried and you get anxious and it's just calm and you sit there at the gate and you feel so relaxed. So there's just so much more about transformation than people know, I think, Karen. Yeah, I uh, I definitely agree with that. It's um, uh, for me, um, <laughs> I think of it when I'm carrying 50 pounds of dog food up the stairs, you know, and it's like so heavy. I'm like, well, I've lost you know, two and a half of these. So I think of it in those terms. Um, I've been very diligent about cleaning out my closet. So um, every three months I will go through my closet and look at stuff and try it on. And, you know, there's a donate pile, which is always enormous. And um, uh, recently I was digging around in the back of my closet for something and I found um, a stray top from... I don't know, probably like four years ago that I hadn't 
I hadn't managed to make its way into the donate pile for whatever reason. And I took it out. I looked at it. I tried it on and it literally fell off me onto the floor. Like it literally fell off of me. And it was just amazing to sort of realize that that like I used to wear that. And, you know, I, it, it was such a jarring moment because, you know, of course I've cleaned out everything. So I don't have anything that was really, really big, except I'd forgotten this one thing. And, you know, it really sort of um, highlight, it was a big highlight for me. Like, wow, it's a, it's a huge change to go from wearing like a three X to a medium. Yeah. And sure is. We heard in the first podcast that you thought that you'd gained most of your weight after the birth of your son and it was difficult to get off and it just sort of snowballed from there. And and then was there a catalyst moment, like looking back when you think about it? I mean, I know you talked about in the first podcast, you had that conversation with your boss and then you went home and you thought, you know what, I've really got to do something about this. But were there other catalyst moments when you just thought, you know, enough's enough and, and you just started getting focused about getting the weight off your body? Well, until I really sort of um, just until I really discovered uh, intermittent fasting, I didn't think I could do it. I thought there was not even any um, really point in trying because I just resigned myself to the fact that it it wasn't going to shift. You know, I had the weight from the pregnancy that never got rid of. I had the breast cancer and all the treatments and the medications, which made it difficult to stop the weight piling on um like all of those things i just sort of really resigned myself to the fact that this was it right it 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 seemed an insurmountable problem and i think of that you know when i uh see people on uh, in the community who have a lot of weight to lose and it does seem really overwhelming right like the thought of having to lose 100 pounds 120 150 whatever you have to lose to be a healthy weight it it can just be so overwhelming and that's why often you know if I see somebody that I think is struggling with you know those big numbers say you know the only way to do it is like one day at a time set yourself small goals small achievable goals and don't focus so much on that total number just you know Eat the elephant one bite at a time. That's all you can do. Yeah. Um, and so I think looking at uh, if you have a lot of weight to lose, looking at it, at how you perceive the issue and how you go about it mentally is as much, is as important about as as what you're eating, right? So your your mental mindset, um, and that's something you and I have talked about, that, that fasting for me, is as much about mental health as it is about physical health. Hundred percent. I would say it's almost ninety-five percent mindset. It really is because when you think about, it, and I've talked about this as well, the, the process is quite simple, right? You're fasting for a period of time. You're clean fasting, and we all know what that is. Or for anybody to not listening, I'll get you to talk about that in a sec. But you know that may be you listening, I should say. But also, you know, and then we get into the eating window. And for me, the eating window is where people say that the magic happens in the clean fast. Well, I believe the magic happens in the eating window because if you're complementing their eating window with that clean fast, things start to turn. It's when things go wrong in the eating window that people start struggling or they refuse and they're obstinate. They don't want to give up things. 
they get this thing in their head. Oh, that's diet mentality. I don't want to do that because even though some type of food or alcohol is holding them back from their health goals, they'll continue to do it and they'll continue to struggle. And sometimes you've got to take a step back and say, okay, well, that food or alcohol is not serving me and it's not getting to me to the health goals I need. So you have to make some you know, choices that sometimes may seem hard, but they're for the better. And so for your eating style, sort of compared to when you were obese, say, to now, how has that changed or has it changed at all? Uh, yeah, like 110%. Like for me now, um, I take nutrition very, very seriously. So um, previously, I mean, we didn't, I never ate, you know, junk food. I never did the drive-throughs. Like that was just not part of my life. But obviously, you know, I would, I was eating in portion sizes that were way, way too much. Um, and, you know, I would snack through the day and then snack while you're watching TV at night. And I really think that a lot of, of that sort of really played into it. Um, but now I'm very, very focused on how how what I eat is going to serve me nutritionally. And I think I'm pretty lucky that as I've been on this journey, the things that I want to eat have really changed. Um, you know, the, the things that I crave now are actually really good, healthy foods. Um, you know, I love nothing but, <laughs> sounds crazy, but I, I really love like a dish of cottage cheese with salt and pepper and some nuts and um, big salads, lots of colored veggies. Um, a lot of vegetables. I eat a lot of vegetables. I love, you know, grilled protein. Those are the things that I'm sort of drawn towards. Um, I'm less drawn to carbs um, unless the carbs are in the form of this amazing bread that my boss makes. And then I want to eat the whole loaf. But anything else, you know, anything that's ultra processed, anything that um, has ingredients in it that I don't know what they are. I just don't eat them. I don't keep them in the house. I don't buy them. Um, I do my shopping from the perimeter of the supermarket. I would say 95% of what I buy comes from, you know, the produce, the dairy, the meat counter, um, all that stuff in the middle. I just avoid because it doesn't serve me really nutritionally. Um, and during the week, I am pretty strict but I'm pretty I'm in a routine where I eat really just whole foods real actual foods now yeah. at the weekends I deviate a little bit because I'm with friends and family and stuff but you know I'm still not going to go and eat you know a box of Krispy Kreme donuts because they'll make me feel ill you heard in the first podcast you're a person that's widely traveled and you've worked all over the world you know and Ireland and sort of you know South Korea and you know, and all over the place. So different cultures bring up different challenges, I think. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, you know, I, living in Asia is always really interesting. You don't see many overweight Asians and, you know, the way they eat is very, very different than the way, um, for example, Americans eat. Um, you know, I'm always shocked that uh, so many of my friends who have kids and you know, they're, they're out, they go out to eat so many times or run by the driveway, uh, the drive-through, you know, in a week. Things that um, 
I wasn't brought up doing like when I was raised in New Zealand, you know, really have fast food and you went out the back garden and you picked your veg and brought it in and cooked it up. Right. But, but here, I think, um, especially in the United States, um, the culture is very convenience based and people think, Oh, I don't, I worked all day and I put my kids up from daycare and then I'd go home and I don't have time to cook. Um, when in reality, you probably do have time to cook if you just are able to put a plan in place and, um, you know, maybe meal prep at the weekends, that sort of thing, um, which even now I tend to do. And it's really just me. You know, I think about at the weekends when I go to the grocery store, OK, how am I going to eat this week? You know, what's what looks good in the grocery store? What's on sale? You know, what meat is on sale? What veggies are in season? And so that really impacts. Um, how I plan my menus and um, I think a lot of people especially in the United States and and I know a lot of people in England and, and even in New Zealand they tend to go for that sort of convenience food um, and if I ever do eat that now you know sometimes I'll be somewhere and we'll get pizza you know and I'll have a couple of pieces of pizza the next day I just feel miserable because I haven't given my body great nutrition the night before my fast the next day is always much much harder you know I'm sort of starting to white knuckle it when ordinarily I I'm fine fasting for 22 hours a day so I really know my body now that what I put in is is you know a direct influence on the ease of my fast the next day so that's why I try to eat whole foods real foods right i like if i want a potato or a sweet potato i'm not like well i'm not i can't have that many carbs i don't care about that if it's a potato i'm okay if it's a bag of potato chips it's not okay have you got all your trigger foods in the line now that you know the certain food types that make you react like that yes yeah, so i um unlike you i don't think I've you know I'm, I've ever been addicted to sugar um I ate way too much of it but cutting back for me on the sugar has not been that much of a, a difficult thing um I think carbs like you know breads um were probably uh, more difficult for me but now I just don't I avoid them firstly because I don't feel great when I eat them. So occasionally, you know, I'll have a lunch with a coworker or a friend. And, you know, even though I usually don't eat lunch, um, life happens, right? And I want to spend time with friends or, or family and it happens to be a lunch and I will eat. But I'm very careful then to eat um, something that's maybe, you know, uh, something high protein or some vegetables. I try to avoid eating anything very starchy or, or high in carbs because I literally will slump in the afternoon and that I'm hopeless. Like, you know, I can't, I just can't sort of get through the afternoon if I have a lot of carbs at lunch. And so I know that. And so now I don't do it. It took me a, a few times to, to, you know, of, of doing that and feeling miserable. But, but now I know that, um, I know what makes me feel best and I like feeling at my best. And so that for me is kind of a, a no brainer anymore. Um, but I do know that um, 
if you are addicted to sugar and the fast foods like you were that, you know, at the beginning, trying to really get a handle on that and um, sort of going through those withdrawals must be very, very difficult. Um, I, I've, you know, there have been a few people in the community recently who've talked about their struggles with sugar. And um, I always feel so glad for them that they have somebody, you know, who can sort of coach them through it like you are able to. Because uh, it must be tough. It must be tough. It is. It's horrendous. It's probably the t two worst weeks in my life, to be truthful. Karen, you talked about exercise in the first episode. I think something that you said struck me, something like you'd rather starve than sweat or something along those lines from memory from what you said. I think that was right, what you did say. But where are at with your exercise now? Yeah, I'd still rather starve than sweat. Um. Yeah, I'm uh, like, so I did um, do some um, sort of, I got into like these stretching classes and sort of, sort of yoga. Um, I'm not very good at organized exercise. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty active. I'm up and down all day. I'm in and out. I'm, you know, going here and there. I, I'm not, I don't have, um, an exercise program or plan. Uh, I really keep saying that I want to um, maybe do some strength training. Um, I was talking to my sister about that while we were on vacation and um, sort of we'd agreed that we were going to look into that. And of course, as often happens, it's kind of not come up in conversation again. I understand how uh, much better I probably will feel when I do start that. Um, but you know, I am not one of those sort of great exercise stories, you know, people who have lost so much weight and are now running marathons. Yeah, I'm not I'm not that girl. Yeah. Actually, touching on vacations there is a good segue into my next question. And so, yeah, so just touch on vacations. How have you handled that in those sort of past two and a half years or so? So I recently had a vacation at the beach um, with my sister and two very dear girlfriends. Um, and so my sister's used to me fasting, right? I mean, I'm around her all the time. She knows that, uh, you know, if it's before four, I'm probably not putting it in my mouth. Um, but I haven't really sort of ever been on vacation with these two particular girlfriends before. So um, it was it was amusing. We had a great condo at the beach and we get up early in the morning and pack up to go down to the beach for, you know, a few hours. Ned will be packing their drinks and their um, snacks and their string cheese and their little bag of crackers and their fruit. And then we'd have to take a cooler with an ice pack because they were putting the cheese in there. And so then we'd have to put that on and um it was just it was just so hilarious to me as I would sit there holding my large jug of water which I would be taking down to the beach I'm like okay guys you ready can we go yet is it time can we go and you know the first couple of days when we were down on the beach you know one of my friends would say to me oh I'm so sorry like I'm eating in front of you and I'm like eat away I am fine as long as my water jug is full I'm good, really, I'm fine. And it sort of, you know, I think took her a bit by surprise that um, it didn't bother me. It really doesn't bother me. If I'm fasting and other people are eating around me, it does not bother me in the least. 
So I actually continued to fast on vacation. Um, I would say that I probably did, you know, 19 hours most days, 18, 19-ish hours most days. So I opened, I opened my window a little bit earlier or let it go a little bit later, and we had lots of cheese and crackers and nuts and fruits and all the charcuterie plates, and we had wine and we had cocktails and we had ice cream, all the you know, all the things that um, I love to do when I'm on vacation. But I still fasted every day. And I came back from the beach uh, two pounds heavier than when I left. And by Wednesday of the next week, I was back to where I was. So, you know, that's another thing that's that's so freeing with, with intermittent fasting is I'm not worried. Like going on vacation doesn't scare me. Christmas, Thanksgiving, it doesn't scare me because I am not, like, I am the boss of food now. Food is not the boss of me. I decide what food I'm going to eat and when I'm going to eat it. So I have no concerns that I'm going to fall back into my old sort of bad habits because it's just not a thing. And I can go on vacation and relax and have fun and have the drinks and all the, the nibbles and the charcuterie boards. And come home and just be right back on it again and no harm no foul i've had a great time i'm back home now i'm back on my little routine yeah i know you work remotely mostly but office environments events conferences you know things for work you know weddings parties how do you handle all that sort of stuff you know people always say how do i handle that graham when i go to these things well it kind of depends um so tomorrow night i'm having dinner with a friend It'll be dinner. It'll be my OMAD when we go out for dinner. Uh, Thursday, I happen to have the opportunity to have lunch with um, one of the partners in our firm. And um, it's rare that he has time to have lunch with me. I'm thrilled to have lunch with him and we'll go out for lunch and I will eat lunch. Um, I, uh, I don't ever want fasting to prevent me from connecting with people that I love and care about. And if that connection has food involved, so be it. Um, sometimes I meet friends for coffee. That's fine. It doesn't impact my fasting. But the good thing about intermittent fasting, and you've heard me say this before, is what I love about intermittent fasting is that it's very – um, it's routine. I love the routine of it, but I also love the flexibility. So I feel comfortable in the routine. I have my little routine. I like it. I feel good. But if I have to deviate from that routine to spend some quality time with somebody and enjoy a really good meal, I'm all about that too. And that's the flexibility that I love. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I have two girls, 23 and 21. They don't live with us. And, um, you know, I don't see them a lot. And so if they'll ring me up on a Sunday and they'll say, hey, dad, can we catch up? And I'll say, yeah, sure. You know, we'll go to a cafe or whatever. And, and like you said, if it involves food, it involves food. I'll just make that my meal that day at that time to spend that time with my children who I don't see a lot. So it is a flexible lifestyle, no work events, that sort of thing. But I think the other powerful words that we can use in an intermittent fasting lifestyle, and for me, they are the three most powerful words, and that's no thank you. 
Because when you learn to say no thank you to a lot of things that you don't need to be doing, particularly the office party cakes when they bring them in, you know, the big bowls of chocolate in the office, all those things that we have in an office environment. And it was really weird because I used to work in an office with 14 people, right? And there was always food. You could always smell it. And it was really hard. And then we downsized a bit and we had less people. But all of a sudden, after about a year or more of myself, and they saw the results that I was getting, all of a sudden, people weren't eating at work. And I was thinking, this is weird. Why aren't they eating at work? And they said to me, you know, well, whatever you're doing, we want to do because we're going to try it out. You know, same with road trips. My boss got in the car one day and it was an early morning start. And I said to him, oh, do you want me to pull him to the service station so you can get some breakfast? And he said, no. Nope. He said, I'm fasting like you because whatever you're doing, I want to do it and I want to get that feeling too. So when people see our example, sometimes that leads to them thinking about their own health as well. And have you found that obviously with this dramatic transformation that you've had, that people have gravitated towards you, particularly you've done this during COVID and now we've come out of that people's reactions must be, wow, look at you and ask you a lot of questions. Yeah. And uh, I've definitely got a few friends who have um, started fasting um, with success. Um, a friend of mine, her, her husband um, has lost, I think about 75 pounds um, and really uh, corrected some of his health issues, which is great. Um, I've got uh, some younger friends um, who are interested in it really for their health rather they don't really have you know weight to lose but they're interested in it from from a health standpoint um and you know i think a lot of people because they don't understand fasting i was messaging with a friend of mine today and she's like well when are you going to stop fasting like when you're a skeleton and i'm like well no it's not really about that you know i'm always going to fast but it's you know, I try to explain to people that really it's the, the health plan with the side effect of weight loss. Um, you know, so a lot of people, of course, don't understand what fasting is. They don't understand the science and the reasoning behind it. Um, and even when you explain it, they can be a little sort of skeptical. I always point them towards um, Jen's Fast Feast Repeat um, and Dr. Fung's The Obesity Code, which were the first two books I ever read. And uh, but for that sort of really personal story, you know, your book is is one that I always recommend because it is it's it's written from from the heart. You know, it's uh, less about the science to start with and more about how you how you struggled, your fight against the sugar addiction. And, you know, that kind of a personal testimony, I think, can be very, very powerful for a lot of people who are. Um, you know, faced with with having to make changes in their lives. Yeah, it is. And you're right. You know, I didn't make my book about science because I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I'm Graham Curry from Perth, Australia, ordinary guy on the street that did this, you know, amazing transformation of people like to call it that. And, you know, kept the weight off for four years and changed my life, broke away from chronic sugar addiction and fast food on a scale of one to 10. I was a 12 in terms of addicts. And so if I can do it, then you can too. And if my story motivates you to do that, great. And you can get that story on Amazon or you can get the audio book on places like audiobooks.com, uh, around the traps, Apple books, et cetera. But, you know, I think sharing your story is also powerful because you never know who's going to pick it up and read it. I mean, you know, I get messages from all over the place, Karen, you probably do too, or people that have heard you in different places, 
I know you do a bit of work in our Patreon community and you join in with the Zoom meetings. And I can see those people really engaging when you're talking to them. And for anybody out there that's listening to the podcast and wants to get behind it, wants it to continue, come and join us in the Patreon community. You'll see the link there in the show notes. Because for five or 10 bucks a month, you're going to get a lot back and you're going to be able to come and talk to people like Karen in our Zoom meetings and draw something from it. And I really enjoy doing that. Have you enjoyed that so far with the Patreon? Yeah, I have to say that the power of the tribe is is um, amazing and uh, sort of connecting with so many like-minded people. Um, you're always learning, sharing, um, and, you know, that's in, in the group. And so when the Patreon community was started, um, I was really excited. You know, I was so excited that, you know, groups of people who um, really wanted to connect at a different level had the opportunity to do that and um you know it's a it is sort of a smaller group and we get to know each other maybe a little bit better um and there are a lot of amazing um extras that you get uh early access you get special little um podcasts graham has done a great series on um sugar addiction and, and fighting that um we get to catch up with people a little more frequently the zooms are great and you know having that kind of support from people who are on the same journey is is good it's it's helpful when you are at the beginning of your journey it's helpful in the middle and i love it now because i've sort of got a couple of years under my belt and i feel like you know if i can help or inspire someone even in the smallest way then um, you know, that's my way of being able to give back to intermittent fasting what it has given me. So I would absolutely highly recommend the uh, the Patreon group. And as you say, five bucks or 10 bucks, I mean, that's like two Starbucks or one Starbucks. I mean, it's it's such a small amount. But, you know, if a lot of people join, um, we have resources and you have resources to do so many other things, which... Um, you know, I think is is just pushing it to the next level. So um, if anybody has any questions about that, please feel free to reach out to me uh, on um, through the Facebook Messenger. I'd be happy to chat about it. It's it's a powerful thing. I'm also a member of um, Jen's uh, online community, Delay Don't Deny community, and it's a similar thing, right? Um, you get to know people on a different level, and that kind of support has been so valuable for me. I learn so much. Um, I learn something new every day. And that for me is what it's all about. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for all of that. And I really enjoyed the Patreon community. And I just think it's a great way to connect via the Zoom meetings. So we have Northern Hemisphere and Southern Hemisphere and, you know, meeting people from all over the world, like what we're doing now, face-to-face -face on Zoom. It's fantastic. You feel engaged. You feel like we're starting a family or something. You're meeting all these new people. And, you know, we've had people that said, hey, I live there. I live like 10 minutes away or something like that. And just recently, I interviewed a lady in, in Georgia, actually. And uh, I said to her, hey, do you know this Karen Cahill lives in Georgia? I said, why don't you catch up with her? She's probably living right down the street from you. And near you two. Well, are. we're not exact. We're not exactly down the street from each other. We have connected, and um, Lisa and planning on getting together for a coffee. Uh, July is kind of crazy for both of us, but in August, so um, it, we're you know we can make it happen. Uh, it is fantastic to to hear of people who are sort of close by, and um, you know having that sort of personal connection is really really lovely too. Um, I'm always so excited when I interact with other Kiwis. Um, 
on the the Fasting Highway Facebook page or or in the Patreon community. Um, it's it's great, you know, I because I I do miss home and um, it's always lovely to hear some hear a familiar accent from home. Yeah. Kiwis can fly, as they say, and you certainly are doing we that. Can. You know, and a big shout out to Susan Metz, who will probably listen to this podcast. She's a good friend of yours. And Susan's been on the podcast and she's doing some great work with her own stuff there in America. And, you know, I think it doesn't matter where in the world we are. We all have this common bond, don't we? We want to find wellness. We want to feel better than what we do. And, you know, getting that support and getting into the Facebook groups, joining things like the Patreon, it does that. It gives us that support network. And a lot of people don't have that in their lives. And like, I'm very fortunate. I have a wife that's so supportive. It's it's amazing. And she always has been. She's loved me no matter what size I am. She doesn't care about that. But what she will do is support me. And if I say to her, hey, honey, I really need to do this. Or, you know, can you help me? She will. And she'll get into it. And she's back fasting now too. And she's doing well and she's loving it. And she's going to talk about that coming up on the podcast. She had some adversity. And um, and speaking of adversity, I know you've had some tough times too, Karen. And, and you can, don't have to talk about them if you don't want to. But sometimes life throws us uh, some rough curveballs. And you've certainly been through that in recent times. And, you know, dealing with that when you're in a fasting lifestyle can be difficult at best. And we always say to people, well, no matter what happens, it's like when COVID was happening and, you know, people were dying everywhere and everyone was freaking out. We're all going, how are we going to fast? You know, we could be dead tomorrow. What are we doing this for? You know, all that sort of thoughts was going through our minds. And then I always said to them, well, you can control the one thing you can control, and that's getting to better health and sticking by your fasting. That's the one thing you can do. So do you want to talk about yeah. how, you know, grief and that sort of thing can be really tricky yeah um so in march this year i lost my only son he was 28 um and it has been obviously you know the most horrendous thing that i've ever been through in my life it's uh you just getting out of bed most days is an accomplishment um so I'm so I am very fortunate that I have an amazing support system and I've got people who literally hold me up every day. So I'm incredibly grateful for that. But what I have found is that um, intermittent fasting gives me control over at least one thing. So in your life, when something really tragic happens, you feel like you have no control over anything. You can't control what has happened. You don't even know if you can control getting out of bed the next morning. But having fasting has really uh, enabled me to keep this sort of routine in my life. And I feel without that, um, I would probably just crumble. So for my mental health and my journey through grief, I think is uh, impacted greatly by, by the control I feel over food and over what I choose to eat. And kind of it's, it's a weird thing to um, sort of uh, put into words, but it is that routine that comforts and, um, and I think also feeling my uh, taking care of my physical health directly impacts my mental health and along with some 
pretty intense grief therapy I'm managing to sort of make my way through it but I would definitely say that fast if I didn't have fasting that I wouldn't be doing as well as I'm doing now so yeah it's definitely helped well thanks for sharing that and you know we all honor the memory of your son and obviously I can't imagine how proud he is of you you know what you achieved and um you know, that's tough. I'll never know. I hope I never know what that's like to lose one of my children because I can't even begin to imagine what that's like. I don't even want to think about it. Yeah. And it just must be horrendous and such a sledgehammer when you get that use that you just, I don't think I could function on, you know, I just honestly don't. And, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm it's, struggling it's to actually talk about it. Yeah. It's interesting what you learn about yourself. Um, it really is. It, uh, I've always known that I was a strong person, but it really sort of pulls that all into focus. Um, but with the support and the love that I have, you know, I'm able to, you know, stand up and, and get through each day. And it's it's difficult. But um, my son would be really mad if I gave up and, you know, just stopped living life. I mean, he'll be pissed at me. So, you know, I can hear his voice saying, you know, get out there, do that, you know, live there, go there, travel there, get on a plane. Do, like he would want me to live my very best life. So in honoring his memory, I have to do that. And one of the ways that you have to do that is making sure that you can function um, physically and mentally. So that's kind of what I just I'm trying to get through day by day, keeping those things in mind. Yeah. Yeah, well, we certainly, as I said, we honor his memory. And, um, you know, I reckon he's up there smiling, looking at you and doing all the things that you're doing. And, you know, we're super proud of him. Because I remember I saw you, you went to the university to pick up, was it his degree that you were, you were going to collect at the time? And Yeah, he passed away uh, a week before he defended his thesis. He was a, a PhD student um, in chemistry. And uh, the school conferred his PhD posthumously because, I mean, he'd done all the work. He just hadn't presented it. So uh, I went up to Northwestern to collect that uh, last month. So, you know, I think he'd be proud that that we finished the job that he started. And, um, you know, it was uh, it was kind of a, a good little bit of closure for me, too, uh, and a good chance for me to spend some time with his friends and uh, colleagues and, uh, his boyfriend, who was very much a part of our family, so yeah, it was uh, it was a it was a good trip. Yeah, he would have been looking down on you, smiling, and say, "Wow, mum, you look great. You look fantastic," and you did. And I'll say it again: your your transformation is quite jaw dropping. I've got to say, and every time I see it in those face to face Fridays, and people don't realize that when you post those photos. And, you know, some people have this thing about, you know, I don't want to post my photos because it looks like I'm bragging or whatever. You're not bragging. What you're doing is you're inspiring because when people look at Karen's photos on the fasting highway, it says to them, I can do that too. It's not, we don't want people to compare to each other, but what we want to do is feel inspired by those people that are doing that. So you can look at them and say, you know what, I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to break my fast early today. I'm not going to fill up with junk in my eating window today because I want to get there too. But that person has inspired and motivated me to do that. That's where I feel right. support groups are great. Yeah. And, you know, here's the thing. I think that 
it's okay for us to be proud of ourselves. We should be proud of ourselves when we when we meet certain milestones. Uh, somebody had written that in the, the the Facebook page the other day. I can't remember if it was Donna, maybe, but we should be proud. If you've lost 10 pounds, post your picture. We want to see it. I mean, if you've lost 50 pounds, I want to see it. Show me your picture with your grandkids doing something. I want to see that. And I want to see you be proud of yourself too, because it is an achievement. And it's something that you have every right to be proud of. It's not being boastful. It's it's celebrating a success. And, you know, as women, I think I said this to you in our little chat the other day, as women, you know, we are so conditioned to always be the caregiver for others. You know, we care for our siblings, we care for our kids, our partners, then we care for our parents. You know, we're all many of us in professions that are um, you know, service oriented, caring for people, teachers, nurses, you know, it's it's not uncommon for women to put themselves last and to sort of put themselves behind everything else. We as women should be proud of what we achieve. Um, and it's not about being boastful. It's about celebrating our success. Um, so if you've been on the Facebook page for a while and you kind of, you know, lurk and you read and, and that, but you haven't posted, please post because I want to see it. I want to see everybody's pictures. Yeah. Yeah, I find that, you know, we have 9,500 members, I think, in the Fasting Highway community, but we probably only hear it from three or 400 of them because it's okay if you want to just come in there and lurk and, you know, and learn sure. and that sort of thing. But, you know, yeah, get out there and start asking questions and get in that face-to-face -face Friday and post a picture of yourself if you're just beginning and um, just say, you know, here I am, hi. And, um, you know, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be like everybody else, but we all have different motivations. But, you know, what was really really struck me the other day i got this message from this guy in the ukraine of all places and he said oh graham he said i listened to your audio book last night and he says it inspired me to you know get my health back and do better and he wanted me to give him a few tips and stuff and i'm sitting there and i'm going this guy's in the ukraine in the middle of a war and he's listening to graham curry's audio book the fasting highway and he's like on missiles running around i had this vision of these missiles shooting around over his head and i'm thinking if a guy could focus on his health in a place like that, then why can't we focus on our health? You know, and always say to people, we make a lot of choices in our life. We make a lot of decisions. We do. You have a big job. You know, a lot of people have big jobs. We make big decisions for our family. You know, we set moral boundaries. We do all these things. But when it comes to our health, sometimes we just seem to battle with that, like for ourselves and our self-care. And that's why I talk about having that self-love for ourselves. And if you haven't got that, then you need to find it. And we can do that by turning the wheel. And I like to start every day with some positive self-affirmations. Before I did this podcast, I repeated them to myself before I did this. Because that's what sets me up for the day. And it makes me feel good. When you talk about yourself in a nice way and you say nice things about yourself, it becomes perpetual. And I think self-care and self-love is so important in an intermittent fasting lifestyle as well. Yeah, I do too. I'm sort of a big fan of uh, gratitude. I um, sort of have a little gratitude journal that I try to get to every day. Sometimes I don't write anything down. Sometimes it's thinking things. It's like a bullet point here or there. But, you know, for me, um, that's sort of one of my sort of guiding points. You know, I looking at the things that I can be grateful for and it sets my day up in the right way. 
um, because especially now there's so much that I can be miserable about, but there's still so much to be grateful for. And I find if I focus on those items and those things or just pick one thing a day um, or one thing a week, uh, you know, really when you think about it, I'm, I'm doing okay. You know, I'm safe. I have food on the table. I have a safe place to live. Uh, you know, I'm not in the Ukraine with missiles going past my ears. Um, you know, I'm, I have so much to be thankful for and trying to focus on those things and uh, positive affirmations. I, you uh, did a podcast recently with a, a guy who's had some great positive affirmations. I can't remember his name, but do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, Martin Shear. Yeah, that's right. Um, I really love that. Like, um, you know, I think it's uh, it's like I say, like our mental uh, mental health is is as important as our physical health. And putting yourself in that right sort of space, that that right place in your head at the beginning of each day, for me, is a very important thing. That there is hope, and there is a way, and you can find a lifestyle that's great. It just it's great, isn't it? It really is. It it sort of helps you sort of refocus on the things that are important. And those things are the ones that you love and and your health. Um, and those are the really the things that, you know, as you get older, um, become more fragile uh, in, a lot, in a lot of ways. So for me, it was it was it was a it was so overwhelming that I just didn't ever think I could do it. Um, but I just hadn't found the way yet. And and now with intermittent fasting, I have found the way and, um, you know, and I'll never not fast. I'll never not fast because I feel better living this lifestyle than I've ever felt really in my entire life. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to know that when you're getting close to a, a maintenance point or what I like to sort of call a, a goal range, if you like, and I call it vigilance without obsession that you can slip into a, you know, a life of maintaining your weight if you like, but not be obsessed about it and just, you know, live your life. And it's more flexible, I think. So it's important to set yourself up for that. And I know you mentioned you'd like to lose another 10 pounds and that sort of thing, but if it doesn't happen for another year or two, you're not fussed about that. And I think that's a really good attitude to take and it doesn't matter. But have you sort of thought ahead about, you know, maintenance, are you going to change anything? Are we going to try and work towards something? Is that something you've been thinking about? So, um, so you say vigilance without obsession. My favorite one is consistency is greater than perfection. And I really, really believe that that's my kind of mantra so that, um, yeah, if I, if I lose 10 pounds in a year, that's fine. If I don't, that's also fine. Like I am not, um, I'm not driven by the number on the scale. And I don't hold that out as an end goal. My end goal is healthy, uh, being at a size that allows me to live my life comfortably. Um, also at a size that allows me to raid my sister's closet when I want to. She's got a lot of really good clothes. And that is now happening. So uh, I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, I haven't seen a lot of weight loss um, really in the last six months, uh, a little bit. But I'm continuing to shrink sizes. So um, I'd say probably in the last six months, I might have lost, you know, five, six, seven pounds. But I've probably lost a good two sizes in clothing. So 
I'm continuing to shrink as body recomposition happens. And for me, that's fine. Uh, I still am seeing changes um, in my body. And uh, I people ask me, well, like after you've lost all that weight, do you have loose skin? Well, yeah, I do have some loose skin. Um, I take a really good collagen supplement, which helps. But every day I feel like my body still continues to get stronger. And, um, you know, I'd rather deal with some loose skin around my stomach than 135 pounds on my back. 100%. Pick your heart, right? Yeah. 100%. You mentioned that you really like OMAD and that's your jam and that's what really suits your life and, and the rest of it. So I'll just get you to touch on that. We're coming towards the back end of the podcast, but I think it's important for people to understand what OMAD actually is because a lot of people say to me, well, how can you say that it's one meal a day if you're having an entree, a snack, and then maybe dessert? Well, I always say, well, it's just like going out to a restaurant. That's one meal. You go out and you have a meal at a restaurant You'll start with a starter, you'll have a main, and then you'll have a dessert if you if you want one. So for me, that's how I look at it. It's a restaurant style. Is that a similar thing for you, or is it more of a one plate a day? Um, so it depends on the day. You know, some days I'm hungrier than others. Um, today I had so tomatoes are in season. I've got fantastic tomatoes in my garden. So um, I'm currently eating, uh, like I started today with tomatoes and I do like a sliced cucumber and red onion pickled salad. Uh, I had that. And then I had um, uh, some, I made some sweet potato fries in the air fryer and I had some grilled chicken and uh, I had a little bit of leftover salad from last night. And then uh, I usually end with some full fat yogurt and berries in the summer. Um, and not, not some nights or not every night, like some nights I'm just not really hungry for it. Um, sometimes I'll open with a quick protein shake and then just have a meal. I mean, it is kind of like, I always open with a snack. I always open with something and then have my meal. Um, and, but I eat it in a pretty tight window, um, you know, I don't usually have more than a, an hour and a half, uh, an hour to an hour and a half window. And that just suits me. I like to eat and then be done. Um, I don't like to eat late in the evening and then kind of go to bed on a, a full stomach. Um, so for me, OMAD is usually a good snack and then a meal, sometimes a, a dessert, but not um, like I'm conscious of of the things that I put on my plate, you know, making sure I get enough protein, making sure that um, if I'm eating carbs, they're uh, a good, you know, like a whole carb, like a sweet potato or a potato or some pasta or whatever. But, you know, I'm not likely to eat, you know, uh, a lot of bread during the week or um, anything with preservatives. I'm not going to eat donuts for dessert. Um, probably not going to eat ice cream. I save my ice cream allowance for when I'm at the beach and then I want the good ice cream. So OMAD for me does stretch over about an hour and a half. Um, just depends on the day. Depends yeah. what's, how I'm feeling. I think also um, for me in the summer, I find it a lot easier in the summer to eat lighter and drink more water. Uh, in the winter when it's colder, I'm not quite as good with my water. And, you know, I think the cold weather makes us sort of want to eat 
you know, more comfort foods, but you can still do that. Um, make good stews, good soups, healthy with lots of healthy ingredients. So yeah, it's I agree. just depends on the season and how I'm feeling, but OMAD is my jam. That's what I love. It, it fits me, fits my life. Have you tried any sort of extended fasting or longer fasting, ADF or anything like that? I have done, um, they call it uh, uh, ADF, but the, what's it called? Where you do the 500 calorie one day and then MAD, fast the next day. Modified. Modified, modified. modified. I've done that a few times. Um, I've done that more often, like if I haven't felt well, um, you know, and I don't really feel very, very much like eating, I might have some broth or something. And it's just sort of happened that, you know, that it might have gone for a couple of days. But really, um, I was talking to Jen about this actually recently, and she's like, well, you know, if you wanted to still lose the weight, you could try to switch it up and do something different. And I'm like, yeah, I could. Um, but I like, I like, like I said, I like to eat every day. So I have, um, I think probably the longest fast I've ever done is probably 48 hours. Um, and that was just to see if I could do it <laughs> and I could do it. So yeah, uh, when, I, just, I don't feel the need to do that again. When you did that 48 hour fast, did you do that modified thing where you had the 500 calories or just straight fast? It's hilarious. So really, like once you get past 24 hours, it's not that difficult. Yeah, I'm the same. Really I like isn't. to eat every day. And yeah. uh, for me, that's important because I obviously like that social time with my wife as well. And, um, you know, it's somewhere we discuss what's going on in our day and share a meal together. And I think that's important for me personally and the way I live. But, you know, with ADF and that sort of thing, it just never appealed to me. And you know, it's, I know why people do it and there's some great benefits and autography and that sort of thing. But, you know, when people say to me, I did a 42 hour fast and I say, did you have a 500 calorie in the middle of it? And they say, yeah, well, actually you didn't do a 42 hour fast. What you did was you, you broke your fast when you had that 500 calories because you can't have 500 calories, and not break a clean fast. Simple as that. So yeah, and a lot of people think, you know, more is going to be better. Right. So, uh, if I like, if I do 20 hours, but if I can do 24, like that, that's even better. And it, that isn't the way it is. Like um, we all have a different, like intermittent fasting affects us all differently. And for some people, 16, eight is perfect. For some people, 24 is perfect. For some people, ADF just is great. They feel fantastic. So I always say, Find what makes you feel the best and do it. And don't compare yourself to others. Sure, sh swap tips with people. Like, you know, I want to do uh, OMAD, but at 19 hours, I find I get really hungry. How do you get through it? Like, swap tips. Try it. But don't feel like just because Karen Carhill does OMAD and she lost 135 pounds, that if I want to lose weight, I have to do OMAD and eat in a one-hour, one-and-a-half-hour window every day either. It's not, it's not, we're all a case study of one, right? Yeah. Comparison is the thief of joy. And you've got to find your own jam with this, whether that may be 16, 8, 24, whatever it may be, ADF, EF, whatever suits you. If that's your jam, do it. And if that's where you think you need to be, do it. But when you're first starting this lifestyle, don't try to push yourself too fast, too early. Because if you try to do 30, 40 hour fast when you first start, 
you're going to find that really difficult, particularly if you're coming off a base of eating several times a day. And just start off slow. There's no rush. This is a lifestyle. Get into it. Just skip breakfast, 16 and 8 to start. But, you know, I have people that come to me and they say, oh, you know, I'm struggling. And I say, what have you been doing? Oh, well, I did a 36-hour fast. Okay, what stage of the IF journey did you do that? The third day. And I said, well, you know, that's probably why you're struggling. Just take your time. Right. And in an aspect, Karen, just before we go, and we're, we're right over time now, but I really love you just to give your three top tips about intermittent fasting. Um, okay, so the first one is know your why. And we talk about that a lot, but why you want to do this. What is your goal? Why do you want to do intermittent fasting? And how do you hope it's going to impact your life? Um, the second thing would be you have to trust the process. Um, everybody is different and, you know, people get frustrated when they are hitting a plateau. You know, if I hit a plateau, I have to trust that my body is prioritizing something else at this point. I have to trust that my body knows what to do and is going to take care of me, me in the best possible way. My body has never let me down, even when I was 135 pounds heavier. So it's certainly not going to let me down now. So you have to trust the process. And thirdly, I would say, like, embrace community, especially if you don't have a whole lot of support around you. Some people have friends who are, you know, not supportive of them. They have, you know, families that they have to take care of, kids that they have to feed. I mean, a lot of, like, uh, a lot of things that can make this a more challenging journey. So seek out um your tribe and seek out people who will support you and be there for you. Even if it's just on Facebook page or in the Patreon community, like there are people there who honestly, truly are cheering you on. And, uh, you know, all of us have got, a, you know, a little time under our belts with, with IF um, are there to help in any way we can, but mostly we're there to cheer you on. We're there to cheer each other on. So those would be my three things. Yeah, fantastic. And be consistent and you don't have to chase perfection, as you said. That's the fourth thing I would say. But Karen, I can't tell you again how inspiring you've been. And if people want to hear more from Karen or see more of Karen, come and join us in the Fasting Highway Facebook community or come and join us in the Patreon community there. You'll see the links in the show notes. But Karen Cahill, thank you for joining us once again here on the Fasting Highway. Thanks, Graham. Oh, thank you so much, Karen. That was a wonderful episode. And thank you for everything that you shared. Very inspiring. And I wish you all the best in the future. And we look forward to catching up with you in another six to 12 months' time. Also, folks, as you heard, the Patreon community now help us with bringing you the podcast each and every week. Without our Patreon supporters, we simply couldn't be bringing this podcast to you. So if you'd like to go and have a look at the link in the show notes, that's www patreon.com forward slash the fasting highway you'll see the information there there's two levels of support you can choose from you can get some great benefits back in return as you can read such things as early access to the podcast uh, extra bonus podcast uh, we also have two zoom meetings a month in the northern and southern hemispheres so go and have a look at that and hopefully you'll choose to support us to bring you the fasting highway podcast every week okay folks until next week be well, be safe, and remember, clean fasting is everlasting.